0: You're listening to Worktape, episode twenty-six. Welcome to Worktape, everyone. I'm your host Isaac Grover, and today we have with us our new co-host, kind of new. You've actually been on—you've uh, been on a draft the whole time, actually, since episode one actually since a 4 episode 1 when we had Mitch but tell us your name
1: Hi everyone I am Christina Lafferty and I do vocals
0: You can even go further in what kind of vocals you actually do like you you sing but you also
1: Yeah I um I got my bachelor's degree in vocal performance and it was focused a lot on classical music. So I used to do a ton of classical and opera, um, which there is no way I could sing anymore unless I got back into voice lessons. But now I love, I love singing folk music. I do a ton of worship music. That's pretty much most of what I do now. But I also, I teach voice lessons. Um, teach piano lessons too. Actually, I love teaching piano.
0: I forgot that. Yeah, you do, huh?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, it's fun.
0: That's crazy. That's like the entire package. So you could basically teach someone to be a singer songwriter. Well, at least yeah. a singer and player.
1: Exactly. Like I don't do well with um, writing music myself. It takes me a long time. So it's difficult to teach that to other people, but I can teach them basics. Like I can teach them the chords and everything. I can give them what they need to get there. So yeah, it's a lot of fun.
0: And so do you teach mostly locally or do you teach locally at all actually, or is it all remote?
1: Um, I teach all locally now. I I have one online student still, even they're they're local. They live probably 10 minutes from me, but they're still online. Um, Everyone else uh, is local.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Your main thing has been for quite a while now has been you're the vocal master and you teach students how to be great with their voice.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I think it's really cool.
1: It's super fun. I enjoy it a lot. I enjoy I I I like teaching piano too, but voice it's so much more involved. I think piano is more cut and dry and vocal is much more involved. It's much more specific to the person. Plus I get to sit at the piano and play stuff while they're doing their thing. So okay. it's easier for me to concentrate.
0: Do you have ADHD like I do or Probably I might
1: not. <laughs> I never got diagnosed, but I certainly have a difficult time concentrating on something, so
0: oh my goodness, well, that's not necessarily cool, but that's interesting, yeah, because i uh oh, it's a drag that is so cool. So tell us what how you kind of got into what you're doing with um vocals, why vocals more than anything else in music.
1: You know, I um, ever since I was little, I just loved to sing. I was always just walking around the house singing, and uh, my mom would always be playing old um, like Hosanna and Maranatha worship songs, the good old stuff. Sam, Sam. Wait, wait, wait.
0: So like, I went to praise you, Lord, like songs like that.
1: I don't know if I know that one, but you know the one like Shine, Jesus Shine? Yes. Fill this land with... Yeah, that's a great song. Stuff like that. Or
0: Micah 6-8, that one. Yeah. Oh, yep.
1: that that's yep. the one. That is classic. <laughs> <laughs> I can't read that verse without thinking of that song.
0: <laughs> so you could entertain the CCM type stuff if we really got into it. Yeah. We'll We'll save that for later. So go on.
1: Yeah. So... She was always playing stuff like that. I attribute my my ear for harmonies to that, actually, because I harmonize really easily. I don't have any trouble with it. And I really attribute it to hearing Naranoth and Hosanna all the time and hearing their harmonies and their songs. So, yeah, I just always loved singing. And I used to think, like, when I was little, I wanted to teach choir or something like that. And as as time went on... And I, I still did music. I did piano and I did violin. I never took voice lessons. But as time went on, I decided I wanted to be an English teacher, which was super weird. And so then I go to, to register for classes at college. And I had been struggling with whether I should do music or English. And last minute, I'm like, that's it. I'm doing music. And so got into college um, or sorry, into music school and i was planning on teaching then decided i didn't want to teach ever and then um got into performance eventually and i liked that a lot better because um instead of having to do some weird sort of teaching demo or student teaching or anything like that i just had to perform two recitals and i was like i can do that that's easy enough so i did that got out of college and was still working at Chick-fil-A and needed something to do to work in my field so I could get out of Chick-fil-A but I knew I didn't want to teach and so I'm like oh what am I going to do the only thing I really can do that's stable is teach um so I decided to try it my best friend at the time was working um at a music studio in Goodyear Arizona which is way out west so I asked her if she could like get me in. And she did. And the second I started teaching private lessons, I absolutely loved it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is what I want to do. And I never thought I would. So yeah, that's how that all started. And that was five years ago. I've been teaching ever since.
0: Wow. Half a decade strong.
1: I know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) When you put it like that, like I sound very accomplished when you put it like that.
0: You already are, but yes, let's, let's build your credibility right here in front of the audience and show them that that. you really know what you're talking about (laughs) because you actually do. Um, This is actually a question for me. Do vocal coaches tend to only work with a male or a female, or do they work with both like generally?
1: That's a good question. It really depends. It depends on what you feel comfortable with. Um, I know a ton of female vocal instructors who feel completely comfortable working with male voices. Like all of the female vocal instructors at the college level, they feel totally comfortable. They're very experienced, but I know I am far less comfortable with it. I want to get more comfortable with it because I think it's important. And the male voice is honestly so interesting it's a lot more complex to me in my mind.
0: So you work with mainly females right now?
1: I do. Yeah. Okay. I have one male student and thank God it's pre-puberty because dealing so with... So he's a,
0: a kid. He's he's yeah. a teen, I'm assuming.
1: Uh, yeah, he's young. Yeah, he's like <laughs> my 10. voice crack
0: right there. So I guess I'm the teen <laughs> right now.
1: <laughs> he's 10. Um, okay. It's wow. so much easier working with a pre-pubescent Boy. It's like working with a girl voice. At that point, their voice Dude, hasn't changed.
0: That is so true. I've I've yeah. told so many people, like, man, you have no idea how like boys, the way they scream when they're little. Cause I remember this being a kid, how weird. I guess the weirdness of guys never goes away. Um <laughs> but I remember yeah. that, you know, like I remember that guys would scream, girls would scream like on a playground. It was pretty synonymous. And boys do sound like girls, like when they scream. It's really kind of weird. But yeah. it, it but it then you know they what get, it is. Right. And then and then once we hit puberty, then our voice definitely gets much deeper. And hopefully we drop the screaming act by then. But
1: <laughs> yeah. <I> mean, yeah.
0: <laughs> you're right. I've had many times where I thought a guy kind of sounded like a girl. And I guess I don't know how feminine, whatever you want to say, my voice sounded when I was 10, but but I Yeah, some guys like a lot of guys do sound like that. You're right. It's almost like it's the same timbre. Is that the word? Yeah. It's like the same tone, timbre. It's it's fascinating.
1: Yeah, it totally is. It's just, and it is the way it is. And then, yeah, they hit puberty and their voices get way more complex.
0: So the adult male voice is is kind of like your last frontier.
1: Yeah, and I need to get better at it. The luckily. I had this amazing choir director in college and even after college, I was in one of his choirs and he um, had some warmups specifically for the men in the choir. And I remember him talking about like, this helps the cricothyroid and blah, blah, blah. And after I started understanding it more, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is like the key. This is the key to like helping guys bridge that gap between like the chest voice and their falsetto and all that stuff. So I started using that a lot. And I noticed that really helped in my understanding of guys' voices. Although I still have a long way to go. It's complex.
0: But that opened up a box for you, like a whole new dimension. You're like, wow, I I never really thought about it this way because I couldn't have thought about it this way because it was completely foreign. But now you have somewhat a familiarity for it, Mm -hmm. at least a starting familiarity.
1: That's exactly right. Yeah, I think I really think that once you have a starting point, at least this is how it feels for me, if I have a starting point to go off of, everything kind of ends up connecting and then I'm able to connect more dots along the way with just new little bits of information as I'm listening to a person's voice, because there is some overlap. And so, yeah, I think if you have a starting point, it really helps
0: that's cool so since we're obviously talking about the voice, many of our conversations have well, almost all of our conversations they've they've pretty much been musical. who were the people that inspired you to be that? I mean, I guess we could just start with one
1: hmm the people who inspired me, oh man, um that's hard, but I think think you know people like Simon and Garfunkel really like inspired me growing up um
0: so glad to hear that
1: yeah their music's just so beautiful they have like really pleasant voices to listen to you know they're just really nice um their harmonies are gorgeous I loved growing up Fernando Ortega I don't know if you remember Fernando Ortega
0: Maybe if I heard a song, but by name, not necessarily.
1: He was a Christian or is a Christian folk singer from New Mexico.
0: What decade was his heyday?
1: I would say the 90s.
0: Oh, okay. So after Keith Green and...
1: Oh, yeah. After know, so, Keith oh, okay. Green. okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. Huh. Yeah. So people like him. Um, I really always loved Rich Mullins.
0: Okay. Okay. So yeah. Rich Mullins. I love Rich Mullins. Yeah. <laughs> I love the best, man. I still listen to that guy, him and Um, him and Garfunkel. But again, you know, we grew up CCM, so
1: it's super hard
0: (laughs) not to talk about Rich.
1: Yeah. Oh, I mean, him and Keith Green were by far the most influential people in Christian music to my mind.
0: As far as like singer songwriter people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Like if you're going to be both not just a singer, not just a songwriter, but like the full package those yes. two guys definitely and disclaimer i didn't grow up listening to keith green not by like my knowledge i didn't notice if i had but no i don't remember listening to him i just i became much more familiar with him after i graduated uh high school and you know i i was like oh okay you know people were talking about him and so i i checked out a few tracks i want to go back to him but yeah the guy's a monster in a good way right like he's just yeah He's got a crazy gift, instrumentally and vocally. But when it comes to Rich Mullins, that's someone who I have known that name along the sides. uh, Sorry, I've known that name along the likes of Stephen Curtis Chapman.
1: Oh, yes. I love him, too.
0: (laughs) I figured he's got a good voice, too.
1: He's got a really nice voice, just really good guitar player. Yeah, they're all really good.
0: Mm -hmm. So those guys have uh, been instrumental and Uh and uh and kind of inspiring you right like with Mm -hmm. with vocals uh who else
1: gosh I feel like I don't even know I feel like I just always liked to sing and so what I gravitated toward towards well I always gravitated towards folk music since the time I was very little that was always my thing I was the hippie of the family. I have no idea why to this day, but it just is what it is. And I completely own it. But um,
0: That's why you're friends with me. Makes sense. Yeah,
1: yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah, um, I always gravitated towards that, but I just liked, I liked anything with like, you know, like a really good singer or just like a good melody. I always gravitated towards like good harmonies and like, weird sounding chords and probably back then I didn't realize it was weird until I got older and I'm like oh this isn't the normal four chords most songs use so yeah I always gravitated towards like the complexities of music without realizing that's what I was gravitating towards so yeah I don't even know if it's that they inspired me or if it's that I just gravitated towards them because I was already inspired in a certain way or if it was just like a big circle like of a snowballing effect.
0: I think that's how passion works. Sometimes, you know, or oftentimes it, you know, it starts somewhat small, right? And then it just gets bigger. It takes on a life of its own. Mm-hmm. That's why I think passions can be very addicting.
1: Yeah, I would say so too. I think it can be addicting. I, uh, <laughs> you know, in fact, I think I read something that challenged me in that and like my immediate reaction was like oh <laughs> it was something keith green said about i don't even remember but i'll paraphrase like the idea of it was that like and it may not have been keith green but basically like the purpose of music is like, like our purpose is to serve the Lord. It's not like our purpose is to be a musician or whatever. Our purpose is to serve the Lord. And we just use music to serve the Lord. And I was like, oh, <laughs> but you're right, Keith. Oh my gosh. So yeah, it's, it can be addicting, especially if like our passion becomes our purpose rather than using our passion to serve God. Right. Yeah, Yeah, of
0: course. (laughs) The whole of the the music industry didn't get the memo.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no kidding. I think the whole of society didn't get the memo.
0: No, they did not get the memo.
1: We're supposed to use our money for the Lord. We're not supposed to bleed the common people (laughs) for our own benefit.
0: (laughs) So that's, listen, man, I, I have my fair share of artists where we we have totally different ideals. Like they're just yeah. completely opposite. I just like the sound,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but and I know I know you do as well. Because uh, yeah. we've talked about we talked about Queen, but then like one, I, I wonder where you are with like Led Zeppelin. Because I know that you you would have to say they're probably the most controversial. Um,
1: yeah, in rock, oh, I,
0: actually. Well, I'd say, say so. I'd say Beatles and Led Zeppelin. They trade controversy yeah. in popular music.
1: Oh, they're both up there. Yeah. I mean, you had with the Beatles, John Lennon being like, we're more popular than Jesus and blah, 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 which wasn't as big of a deal as everyone made it out to be. It's like, okay, yeah, the guy's arrogant, but he's not like the (laughs) anti-Christ. He wasn't
0: anti-Christ, but it was pretty clear. Actually, it was very clear that he was anti-so-called organized religion. Definitely
1: anti-absolutely
0: anti-Bible absolutely i
1: could see that I, yeah i mean they weren't christians um no and yeah so it's to be expected really not that it's good but it is to be expected um but as him, far as led oh go ahead
0: well i was going to say him and george harrison actually mostly george harrison got into some very eastern
1: spirituality
0: yeah very interesting stuff um yeah extremely popular today not my bag but that's for another podcast. <laughs> um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> continue saying what you were going to say.
1: Um, so like as far as Led Zeppelin, yeah, they I guess they would be controversial because like Jimmy Page was so into the occult, so there was a lot of that, and their music was super sexualized too. Like actually, I would say back then you had songs about sex that like it was more poetic. Like everyone was a little more subtle. And then you had Led Zeppelin like being completely out there with really raunchy metaphors. And I was like, Oh, 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 we're doing this in the seventies. Like, okay. But, Oh, I, I love Led Zeppelin to this day. I love them, but I don't listen to them anymore. And it, um, you know, it, I never made a conscious choice really to stop listening to them. It just, I just, didn't listen to them anymore after a while and I, I listen so much to just Christian music now just naturally I very rarely listen to the Beatles I very rarely listen to Simon Garfunkel if I listen to anyone it'll be Simon and Garfunkel or Bob Dylan but yeah so just kind of naturally gravitated towards Christian music what wow. older Christian music like yeah Keith when, it was, Green and Rich when it was really good Yes.
0: <laughs> Larry uh, I, I Norman. <laughs> feel like I've heard of him. Dude, I want to get more into that because I'm more into like the modern or I, I'm more into the, um, the Christian music from the 90s and, and up. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I do like, what's her name? She did Solomon's Shoes. Uh, Margaret. I think it's Margaret Becker. It's Margaret something. So I,
1: yeah, I liked Margaret Becker. I didn't know a lot by her. I heard her more on like compilation CDs, CDs guys. <laughs> 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 I would hear her on them. Um, yeah, like compilation CDs. I liked her. She had just people back then just had nice, like, even if they weren't great singers, they just had nice, pleasant voices to listen to. Mm-hmm.
0: I will give that to especially the mid late '80s when it wasn't so hair metal-y. Um, yeah, what was her name? Tracy Chapman. Actually, when you listen to Tracy, you hear a ton of what the um, the Christian music scene would embrace, and mm. that's why when I listen to her, it sounds very familiar. Um, I'm used to Twila Paris, Amy oh. Grant.
1: Amy Grant, I yeah. love Amy Grant. I love Twila Paris too.
0: Jennifer Knapp, when she used to be part of the
1: yes, my yeah. aunt told me about that whole debacle. I was like, oh, <laughs> all yeah, right.
0: Tons of uh, a lot of waves in that sector. So yeah, I I I I, I like all of that stuff. I I grew up yes. with what was it, Jeff Jeff Moore and the Revival? I think that was the name of the band. And so okay, I was big on. A lot of that stuff, and 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 I think that's why the '90s music is so. I didn't grow up with Nirvana, you know. Right, right. I didn't grow up with a lot of the bands that I would come to, you know, listen to in my high school, college days. I didn't know who Pixies were. I didn't even know who Foo Fighters were until I think high school. And so,
1: okay.
0: but before high school, and even before middle school. Those names that I mentioned to you, I grew up with and, you know, and Rich Mullins, I definitely knew the voices of Maranatha. Those were those were a part of my childhood. So they're always like home when I listen to them. And mm-hmm. the 90s sound that centered around Stephen Curtis Chapman, like everything that is my home to me.
1: <laughs> yes, that's how I feel, too, about Michael W. Smith.
0: Oh, him, too. Yep. him so too. So
1: classic. Yeah.
0: That would be so cool to talk about. I know you wanted to get more, maybe you could tell the audience what you really want to uh, contribute because you know, you're know you a vocal coach and I know we're going to get a lot of people wondering how to vocal or how to vocalize what they want to do.
1: Literally. Uh, yeah, literally. Honestly, I... Gosh, I could just nerd out on this stuff forever. But And I this think is a th- place for it. Yeah, no kidding. I think... Um, the thing that I really like to talk about, and I think it's useful, it does at least get people critically listening, like thinking about what they're hearing, thinking about like, oh, I like this sound, but will, will it actually hurt my voice? Or is there a proper way to do this so I don't hurt my voice? I like talking about um, different singers, what they're doing, how they're using their voice, why, oh, yeah, everyone likes her because she has a really interesting sounding voice. But if you sing like this, you're going to get nodes or polyps or, you know, burst of vocal cord or whatever, rupture of vocal cord like Adele did once or twice. And so I don't know. I just like to get people thinking about what they're hearing instead of just passively taking in what they're hearing, because I don't think that they realize how much it. Like just passively taking it. Yeah, it matters. It affects what is popular today. And it's fine. Like what's popular is what's popular. But, you know, then they start thinking that only certain voice types are good. And I said something about this last time, but this even bleeds into churches where they want a quote unquote dynamic voice, which means a belter. Well, not very many girls can belt well. It takes a lot of work to belt well. And even if you're not a belter, you have something to contribute to the worship team. And so it just, I don't know. I just want people to think about what they're hearing.
0: Right. And and you want to encourage proper technique because health matters, right?
1: Oh, totally. It's like, hey, you you can sing Beyonce all day long, have at it, but like I want you to keep your voice for the next 50 years. And I think you want to keep your voice for the next 50 years too. And yeah, people don't get how fragile the voice is. Like I'm only 31. I can't use my voice like I used to. It's connected to how I talk and different things like that. I don't take care of it how I should. And so, yeah, it's just, you know, you don't have to be so careful that you're like, Cause that takes the enjoyment out of it too. That's the other end of it is like, if you think too much about technique um, and stuff like that, that's a real buzz kill. So there's a balance there for sure.
0: Yeah. Didn't the same thing happen with Lacey Sturm from Flyleaf?
1: Uh, oh, I don't know, but yeah, she had a very interesting voice.
0: I'm assuming she passes the test for you. Uh, but I, I liked
1: Flyleaf. I you liked- did. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I liked Flyleaf. I wouldn't say I liked her voice, but you know that this is a talk for it was, time it was unique. Yeah, it, it was unique. Yeah, it was unique. Like, and I think that I I let a little bit slide on vocals if I like the song or I like the musicality. I notice I'm much more harsh on a person's vocals if I think there is literally nothing in the nothing else in the song that it has to offer. Like, oh if yeah, and.
0: Flyleaf in their heyday, their songs were, you would have to admit, they're pretty good.
1: I liked them. Like Memento Mori. I don't know if you listened to that album, but that I was like a that sick album. album. Yep. Yeah.
0: That's cool, Christina. Um, yeah. Then we'll have you back most likely next week. Cool. You know, again, we're still yeah. figuring things out. It might be you, it might be Mitch, but mm-hmm. when we have you, we're, we'll continue more into vocal stuff and other things that you want to talk about because I know you're not just into vocals you you like music theory period
1: yeah yeah more so than I used to I'm just kind of a nerd in general
0: (laughs) that wraps up what episode 26 that's really cool we're like if we did 100 we're at the quarter so that's kind of cool
1: yep that's awesome
0: (laughs) but um thanks for being here and you know it's gonna be great to have your voice on here like literally both musically and just speaking
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: We'll be with you guys another time. You guys take it easy and peace.